We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. It is Sunday, March the 13th, 2022, which means it is a holiday for America. Selection Sunday is here, America, and we are tipping it off with you right here on the Field of 68 After Dark. We are presented tonight by Bracket Fanatics. Make sure you join our pool at BracketFanatics.com. You can find a link to the Bracket Group in the description below on your screens. It is free to enter. There's a $500 prize pool, and if you win and make it to New Orleans, you can come kick it with us. And who do we mean by us? Rob Doster, Terrence Oglesby. I'm John Fanta. Our crew is locked and loaded for complete selection Sunday coverage. We are coming to you live on Sirius XM Channel 84 from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where Enter Sandman was blasting about an hour ago, Rob Doster. The Virginia Tech Hokies are going dancing. Mike Young's Hokies beat Duke. All-time coaching performance tonight. All-time coaching performance from Mike Young. Uh, every, every single thing that Duke wanted to do offensively, he had an answer for it. Anytime they, they stopped something that he was doing defensively, they, they, had a, they had a fix. They had a problem solver. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you can come up with all the plans you want in the world. You need someone to make those shots. It's a make-or-miss game. It's a make-or-miss league. I know that's a cliche thing to say. But when you got a guy like Hunter Couture out here, I call him, do you know what I call him? Terrence Oglesby with a goatee. <laughs> the Rifleman. The new Rifleman. Rifleman Jr. Rifleman Jr. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, in, a, in, a, in the ACC tournament title game, in a Barclays Center, 31 points, he hit seven threes, he hit six in a row in the first half. What more can you ask for? That was incredible all night long. And it, it seems like you, you alluded to it. Mike Young, it was ca- It'd be something along those lines. Pretty much every possession moving forward. Duke might have played their best game of the year on the first game of the year. I'm not sure there's been a, a remarkable amount of, of improvement. There have been guys that have stepped up with some consistency. But it's not a team that 
has really developed and gotten better at any one particular thing. If anything, teams have figured them out from a defensive standpoint because of the ability to pull Mark Williams away from the basket. And Theo John isn't that same kind of guy or rim protector that's needed. Yeah, there's there's multiple issues with this Duke team. And one of the things you, you mentioned this when we were down on the floor. One of the issues that we I have with this group is that they're kind of what they were back in November. Yeah. Whereas when you watch this Virginia Tech group play, they're better now than what they were before. When you watch someone like, we'll get into it, but Tennessee, they figured it out. They went with a two-guard lineup, and now they're making plays. Uh, Memphis, right? They got rid of the cancer in the, the, the clubhouse. They, they're, they're a top-five team in the country since the end of January. This Duke team is not taking that step forward. And that's something that's worrying to me. And I, I don't know, like, what's the answer there? Like, I, I don't know what you can do to fix that. There isn't one. I mean, what are you going to fix at this point of the year? It's going to be really difficult. But what I will say is, as much as Duke has not improved, that's how much Virginia Tech has improved. We worried about how Storm Murphy was going to adjust and end up adjusting, right? It has been something moving forward that he was going to struggle with a little bit of athleticism. He's figured it out. And he's not kind of quick, guys. His change of... He's not six foot one, but man, his change of pace, how smart he is with the ball in his hands, getting rid of it, attacking downhill. Some of these step backs, pro level moves. Yeah. And, and the other big thing about him is his vision and his creativity with the ball and his ability uh, to pass. And he had one pass in the second half where he's coming to the left and it's the end of a shot clock, right? And he's got the ball in his left hand. And um, he. He, 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 I don't know how he saw someone cutting, but he just picks it up and he's not even looking and it's like a dart like this. He had probably about a half a second to be able to get the ball where he needed to get to. It was an unbelievable pass. Um, unbelievable performance from Virginia Tech. And look, here's the bottom line, guys. This was, we, we make fun of the ACC for being a one-bid league or a two-bid league or a three-bid league or whatever, but Virginia Tech earned an automatic bid tonight. Our, our guys at fielding the 68 had them in the tournament as probably the last team in as of today. But that's not a guarantee that you would get in. You never know what the committee is going to end up doing, John. And, and this is the kind of win and kind of performance that gets you. I, I want to see teams play their way in. I don't want to reward someone like Xavier who had a couple wins in November and December, right? I want to see teams play their way in. And they did. And we're going to get to that here with fielding the 68, our bracketology team. They're up right now trying to figure out who is going to go in the big dance. Speaking of playing your way in, we crowned a bunch of conference champions earlier today. UAB played their way in. They come out of Conference USA behind Jelly Walker. Vermont rolled to an America East title. Could they be dangerous on Thursday or Friday? Yes, the Catamounts could. St. Peter's wins the MAC, going to this their fourth NCAA tournament in school history. The point is, this is a, a lovely couple of days, but it's also... A couple of days where our feeling the 68 team is changing their projections. They had Virginia Tech in the first four heading into today. Now, there's no debate about first four. They're going. The question becomes Notre Dame, Wake Forest in the ACC, T.O. What is going to happen with the Atlantic Coast Conference? Those two teams are on the edge of their seats. what a quad three or quad four loss going into the tournament i know they say that the last 10 games like they've mattered in the past are significant it's not supposed to be like that but the committee they're human 
They see how teams are playing. We, we could talk about a little bit of that with Xavier as well. The committee sees these things. Wake Forest didn't show up uh, on day two of the tournament. It, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see because moving forward, Well, I mean, that, that's the problem with playing in the ACC this year is that you're just not going to be able to get the, the, the massive wins that you need. And look, Notre Dame has one with, by, by beating Kentucky, right? And that was a very, very big win for them. Um, but Wake Forest played the 338th non-conference schedule in the country. And, um, and, and when you don't play anyone, you don't schedule anyone, that is the biggest issue. Yeah, you've got to challenge yourself. And look, I, I, I don't blame Steve for the way that he scheduled this year. He needed wins. He needed to develop confidence. He needed to get his program heading in the right direction. It was smart to schedule the way that he did. He never could have predicted that you would not be able to get quality wins in ACC play. Yeah, it's difficult because their best win really is LSU, or the only really non-con that is significant was LSU, and LSU beat the snot out of them. So that's kind of the big issue that we're running into right now. Wake Forest, like I said, I'm not sure if it was picked up or not on the audio, but that's a tournament team from an eye test perspective. They're big. They can shoot. They can do a lot of things. The non-conference scheduling is so massively important moving forward. I think that needs to be a big-time emphasis for the Atlantic Coast moving forward because this year they just did not do a very good job of scheduling. This is an abnormal year for the ACC because you could have gotten away with having a lighter non-con and saying, look, we're going to have enough tough league games. That was not the case this year. And you look at Wake Forest's resume. Let's break it down for America right now. Their net is 45. They're one and four against Quadrant One. You look at that. I, I don't have to look at any other Quad Two, Three, Four to know that one and four against Quadrant One probably isn't good enough. It probably isn't good enough on Selection Sunday. You have to have more of a body work. And if not more than one or two Quad One wins, at least did you play more Quad One games? They only played five quad one games. That's what some mid-majors have. You take a look deeper to their resume, four and three against quad two. Okay. But a combined 18 wins against quad three and four. We typically nick on mid-majors who have 18, 19, quad three and four wins. The fact is you wouldn't know Wake Forest's resume from a team in the WCC or Mountain West this year. Well, I mean, that that's the biggest thing is that if you took that resume and gave it to like a Murray State... I don't know that they would necessarily get in because it's it's it, it's the, the problem is the ACC conference schedule. And we've beaten this over the head. And it's something I, I'm sure ACC fans are tired. Of. Like we just had an unbelievable game here. and They don't want to selling them how much your league sucks. Right. But the league was not good enough. And it, you just you did not you weren't able to mass the quality wins that you needed. And the other problem is that if you look around the country, there are other teams that did things to play their way in like a Virginia Tech. The spot that they took might be Wake Forest spot. It might be Notre Dame spot. Texas A&M, they're in the tournament. They're dancing, guys. They're dan- like they're they're in. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. Texas A&M is in. So it's it's late in the season, right? You need to be able to do the things you need to do and win the games you need to win. And we see this happen every single year. But you can't if you're Notre Dame losing the first round of the ACC tournament. You can't if you're Wake Forest do that. Like that, those are the things that end up killing you. And just looking at Texas A&M for a moment, folks, you think about what they've done. They have three quad one wins. They have nine quadrant one losses, but they've played 12 quad one games. This goes back to the fact that if you've played quadrant one opponents and you've lost, you still end up doing more for your resume than if you don't play them at all. Than if you don't play them at all. If you play a bunch of quad three and quad four teams, 
you're not going to get it's a there's no reward there. There's no reward. So the the one thing that I look at with A and M is they're five and zero against quad two. So in the games against quality opponents, but not necessarily the highest of caliber, they're taking care of business. They don't have any too too bad blemishes. They went on a bad winning streak. I think the point here is, look, what Rob, what you said, Steve Forbes has done one of the best jobs in college basketball this year. You can both say you understand why Wake Forest scheduled the way they did and also state that it's not that of an NCAA tournament team from a resume standpoint. Facts are facts. The Demon Deacons are going to get to the NCAA tournament soon. He's got them on the right trajectory. But we got to be fair here when we say they have one quad one win. They've only played five quad one games. And that typically is what we criticize the mid-major teams for on Selection Sunday. Well, the big thing, too, is is when you're Texas A&M, you're, playing, you're getting more of those quad one opportunities in league. So would, would you say they were three and nine in the quad one? That happens because the SEC what had five or six teams that you were able to gather those wins and those games from, right, Fanta? So it makes it really – it makes it hard, especially in the ACC where at Virginia Tech you're having a win. That's a tough place to play. And it, to kind of defend the ACC for a second, to kind of defend the ACC for a second. Go ahead. Larinaga said it during his post, post-game press conference yesterday. It was a conference that took more transfers and young players that rely on more transfers and young players. The non-conference is when you start to figure your guys out. So that's a big portion of it, too. If you look at the Big Ten, for example, you look at the SEC, a lot of those schools are hanging on to players for two, three, four years, and then you, you're able to provide some success for your guys that way. So that's one of the reasons why the ACC has struggled. This mic's good enough to pick both of you up. Okay. Notre Dame, in or out? Out. Two seed in the ACC. Yes, they're in. Is that an evaluating tool? <laughs> no. Sorry, T.O. Okay. I'm sorry, T.O. They're out. I think I think both Notre Dame and Wake Forest are going to have a very rough, very unfortunate selection Sunday. So you're saying you're thinking three ACC teams or four ACC teams is what you're saying with Virginia Tech stealing a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think the that Texas A&M gets in. Um, I think right now, here's the one I don't understand. And I don't like, I'm not going to sit here and call out the fielding, the 68 guys, because they are so much better at this stuff than I am, but I don't, I don't see SMU. I don't get SMU why they're in the field. Um, and maybe they'll end up being the one that gets, gets punted for, uh, for Texas A&M, um, now that they are in, but I, I don't, I don't see it with SMU, but I mean, I just, I think if you look at what Oklahoma did and the wins that they have, I honestly, I would take Rutgers and what they've done uh, over, over, but you can't have all of those teams when it comes down to it. Like it, it just, someone's going to get left out that has a resume that in theory would be good enough to be on the bubble. Like I, we always talk about how weak the bubble is T.O. I think the bubble's pretty strong this yeah. year. Cause there's, there's teams that, that I, I said this before on the show. If, if you don't get into the NCAA tournament, you don't have any room to complain cause you didn't do enough. I think this is going to be one of those years where it's like, if Rutgers doesn't get in, like, it sucks because you lost Lafayette, but you, you did enough during league play. You probably you have the four seed in the Big Ten that might not get in. The two seed in the ACC might not get in. It's it's wild the way this worked out this year. With that being said, to our friends at Bet Rivers, our presenting sponsor here on Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84, knowing that the bubble is strong, does that mean that we're going to see 10s and 11s, that we could see a couple of those, maybe win a game if not two, in the NCAA tournament, 
I think the NCAA tournament this year is about as wide open as it's ever been in its history. And I think it has to do with a lot of different things. One, the biggest bubble period is what's going on. Is it not working? Go, 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 go. Okay. I was just making sure I was, I looked at you for a second. Did I say something crazy? You were looking at me nuts. Uh, it, makes you smile. it did. Well, it worked. Well, here, here, let me, let me, let me say it for you. Tio doesn't want to curse on the show. The NCAA tournament is going to be a shit show this year. Capital S capital S. You notice how I didn't say that, right? Okay, so here's a big thing. I, the extra the extra year of eligibility is massive because you have the talent is so much more dispersed this season, right? I think it's going to make for – there's more talent throughout the country, whether it be mid-majors. You've had a lot of guys transfer from high to mid. Those teams are going to win games. UTC might very well win a game. That Chattanooga team's good, and they've got a bunch of former high-major guys there. This is, a, this is a year where we have eight teams that could win a national championship. It's significantly – it's going to be – more date. I mean, really, you, you're looking at probably eight, nine, 10 teams that if get hot with the right draw, seating is going to be important. Matchups are going to be even more important. And there's so many good players this year. You know what's going to determine who wins the national title this year? Who who has the upsets in their bracket? Right. What three seed doesn't have to play someone that's higher than a, a five seed before they get to the final four? That's I, I honestly think that's what's going to end up being like, how well is your draw? How well is your matchup? Who do you end up playing? Okay, T.O.'s right. As, as always, T.O. is right. Before we break, rapid fire here on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most concerned, where are you on the Duke meter? Eight. Because really, how much have they gotten better? That's the biggest question. Uh, I am, I would say, a 6.5. Uh, I am, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that I would have them. For a while, I had them in the same conversation as Gonzaga and Arizona when it comes to being a national title contender. I think they're more kind of in that, Villanova range where it's like, yeah, I could talk myself into it, but they also have some issues as well. Well, folks, we're just getting started here. Feel the 68 after dark and our feeling the 68 full bracket is over on our Twitter account at the field of 68. Just to give you a bubble update, their last four in seven hours ago was SMU, Virginia Tech. Throw that out. Virginia Tech's going dancing. Xavier in Oklahoma. Their first four out was Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Rutgers, and VCU, but it would appear that the Aggies are going to be going dancing so add Texas A&M into that last four in here, potentially. We'll get to the SEC championship game, as well as the Big 12, the Big East, and a wild one in the Pac-12. That's still to come. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Sirius XM, Channel 84. You're clear. All right, questions in the chat. What do we got, Dagan? What do we got here, Dagan? Yeah, let me come through here, Fanta. All right, I got it for you. Um, how concerned are you all with Kentucky? I know Fanta, Rob's just talking to somebody else, and he can't hear yep. me. So, yep. how concerned are you guys with Kentucky? Hey, Chad, I, I just want to say thank you guys for for working with us on tech issues. We are bootstrapping this. We are making it work. We are finding a way to get it done. The tech doesn't always cooperate with us. The internet doesn't always cooperate with us. But I'll tell you this: there are some shows where when they have tech issues, they just don't show up and do the job. We find a way. We get it done. That's that's the way Field of 68 works. One minute. We figure it out. To quote Dagan Hughes, we'll figure it the fuck out. Folks, sometimes you go to a restaurant, the service might be a couple minutes off, but you know you're going to get a good chicken parm by the end of the night. We're serving up some chicken parm in Brooklyn as a Barclays Center. For, what's your name, sir? Remy. Remy? Remy. You're better than Remy Martin. <laughs> Remy Fisher just came in from Barclays Center facilities and figured out a way to make things work even better than they are. 30 All seconds. right, the question in the chat, we have 30 seconds. How concerned are you about Kentucky? How concerned? 
Uh, not, not even a little bit. No. None. How often is Kellen Grady and Ty Ty Washington going to go one for 12 and three? Not worried about it at all. I, Oscar Tashiboy is going to control everything 15. inside of 10 feet. They need a little bit of an extra day or two to rest. Kentucky is going to be right there in it when it comes to a Final Four contest. 10 seconds. Yep. Five. Deep into the morning of Selection Sunday, we go happy Selection Sunday, college basketball fans. John Fanta, Rob Dowster, Terrence Oglesby, here from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. The Virginia Tech Hokies are the ACC tournament champions, but there were other champions crowned today. Automatic bids, the NCAA tournament given out. We go across the way in New York City to Madison Square Garden. A grinder of a game, a defensive battle. Villanova, though, wins it at the end, 54-48 over Creighton. Colin Gillespie's the most outstanding player. Villanova was down one to Creighton with less than three minutes to go. And you're thinking, Villanova's going to lose the Big East Championship game? Gillespie hits two threes in your eye hole to win it. It's Villanova's fifth Big East tournament title since 2015. Your thoughts? It's Villanova. They're a machine. Like, what, do you, what do you expect? This is what they do. They're not real people. They're, yeah. They're, here's, here's my thing on Villanova, right? Is they, they are so good at what they do that they are going to make sure that they are in every game. And they're going to be close enough where at the end of the day, they have Colin Gillespie. And, and look, I, when he, he, he doesn't pass the eye test. We talk about the eye test, right? Colin Gillespie did not pass the eye test. Uh, Colin Gillespie is not the most athletic dude in the world. I don't know if he can dunk. You think he can dunk? What do you think? You think he can dunk? I am willing to no. bet that John Fanta has a better vertical than Colin Gillespie. I don't can Colin can Colin Gillespie in a full suit grab net. I don't think that he can in a full suit grab net. He could definitely not. No, but in all seriousness, like look, that dude, he doesn't rattle and he's not gonna make every single shot. But I don't know if there's a guy in the country that I want with the ball in his hands in a big moment, in a big situation, than than Colin Gillespie. And he's how many times does he have to prove it? The dagger at Providence. You saw that. The shots that he hit tonight. Like, that that dude is a born through and through winner. And, I mean, this is just what Villanova does. No, it's unbelievable, really. And and I tweeted out that it has it wasn't an ugly game to watch. There wasn't any shot making. But there also wasn't a turn of turnovers. Villanova only had eight. Creighton only had 11. And for a team filled to the brim with freshmen, I thought it was a good performance by them. They just didn't hit shots. Three of 27. What is it? Three of 27 from three? That is not optimal. Yeah, that's that's not what's going to be able to help you beat Villanova. That being said, it, it both teams looked like it was their third game in three days. That, that, that's what it looked like. Both teams struggled to get anything going from the perimeter. Kalkbrenner, though, was terrific. I mean, that guy is as good as advertised. I thought he did some nice things out on the perimeter defensively to really help them out. But they're freshmen. And this is a small thing, too. In a grinder top game like that, Villanova's physicality. You looked at those two teams on the floor tonight. You could tell who was the younger team from a physical perspective. John Shackleton, right? That's his name. The the strength coach of Villanova. Jay, you need to give him a raise. Okay. You have a bunch of dudes on that team that looked like they should be, could be competing in Mr. Universe, right? You have those dudes are jacked. They're, they're, they're so strong and so tough. Like that's why, the thing that they do so well is they switch everything defensively. They, like Jay was ahead of the curve on this. Uh, they they don't view 
cross matches as mismatches. They don't view having Jermaine Samuels on the center as being a mismatch. They don't view having uh, Justin Moore having to guard Ryan Kalkbrenner in the post as a problem. And you know why? Because every one of those dudes on the team can squat like 500 pounds and bench 350. They are so strong and so physical and so old and so tough. And I, I just, I, I, as a UConn fan, I kind of hate it. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I really hate it. I cannot wait for I'm so glad that Colin Gillespie's never going to play another Big East game again. Like, <laughs> get this dude out of the conference, man. I'm sick of you. But it's, it's you cannot help but respect. And Ben Parisi said it last night, Phantom. He called them the New England Patriots of the Big East. Right. That's what they are. Overarching thought on the Big East. Here's what separates the Big East this year from the ACC, the Pac-12 and puts it in that top four this particular year. Three or four, we could debate all night, but here's the thing. What separates the Big East from others is the bottom of the league was strong, with the exception of Georgetown. Right. You know, it was, be- it was better here. And why is that? Well, Marquette, under first-year head coach Shaka Smart, did enough now to hear their name called on Selection Sunday, at one point winning seven straight games. The other example of it is Creighton. This Creighton team was picked to finish eighth in the Big East. They lost their top six players. They were an afterthought. I remember thinking in the preseason, I don't know how this team's going to score the basketball. Dead wrong, like the rest of the country. Ryan Kalkbrenner could be an All-American next year. And I say that with a straight face. He, he is not their best player either. Like here, The crazy thing is he could be an All-American. Arthur Kaluma might be their best player. But also, like, Trey Alexander might be their best player. And also, like, Nemhard, low-key, might have been the best freshman point guard in the country. Like, that team coming back, I, I don't want to overhype them, right? And I don't want to get too excited about it. So I'll just say this. A very potential top-10 team. Crazy? No, not crazy at all. Top 10, top 15 team. Another year on the weights. They need it badly. I mean, you <laughs> saw it today. I mean, the difference between these younger players and some of these older players from Villanova was just – so readily evident they're going to be able to win those grinders next year they just need some omaha beef in them they're ready to go they get some omaha steaks they'll be ready to go next year that could very well be a top 10 top 15 team america i'll give you a creighton comparison in the new big east to an old big east team what they were in the old league what creighton is in the new big east is what west virginia was in the old league west virginia eventually got a big east tournament title they had their night creighton's had Times where they've gotten there, they haven't been able to win a Big East tournament yet. They're 0 for 4. Greg McDermott is an offensive technician. But if you look at Greg McDermott physically, he's like a nice, an even nicer version of Bob Huggins. He is. He could be related to Bob Huggins. He's got the stature for it. He's got this kind of calm, calmer demeanor than Huggy Bear, who we love and who had a tough year this year. But they kind of give me that sense of flair because they are out in Omaha. West Virginia, when the Mountaineers came in the Big East, they did not fit the footprint in the Big East, but they kind of give you a a different vibe. That's what I get from Creighton, and they love their cows out there. Eventually, they're going to have their nights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Greg McDermott, biggest head in college basketball. But, dude, I don't know if there's a helmet that would actually uh, actually fit him. What? Talking about big heads now? You good to go? Had a hat-sized bucket. (laughs) His hat size is bucket. But – an offensive guru. I think that's the big thing. And he trusts his players to make plays. And I, I'm going to tell you guys this, him giving those young players that amount of trust earlier in their career to let them make mistakes, to let them make those bad reads, that's going to benefit them in the future. It's going to be significant. 
This is Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. John Fanta, Rob Douster, Terrence Oglesby. We are presented by Bet Rivers. We are presented also by Bracket Fanatics. More to come on that. Happy Selection Sunday, everybody. Let's turn to the Big 12. In the Big 12, Kansas 74, Texas Tech 65. Rob Douster, did you learn anything in the Big 12 championship game that maybe you, you didn't know before? And what do you take about these two teams heading into March Madness? So uh, the biggest thing for me was that David McCormick had a big game and Remy Martin played and played well, right? Like, I think that Remy, we, like, he was never going to be a great fit at Kansas and it did not help that he's been banged up and he can't really stay healthy, right? But having that guy that can just be a different weapon, like the one thing that they lack, we talked about this last night, and the reason why I picked Texas Tech to win this game is because Kansas doesn't have a guy that can break you down and go win something one-on-one by themselves, right? David McCormick is is effective when you can scheme stuff for him where he catches a ball, he gets really tall, he turns around, and he scores, right? Oshai Baji, first-team All-American from my book, Big 12 Player of the Year, I think, unquestionably. First-round pick, going to play in the NBA. Great athlete, great shooter. You need to scheme stuff for him. He's not a guy that's going to go out and make his own play. Christian Brown. He did come out there, and even if it's playing 15 minutes and stepping in and making a play and getting a couple – think about something different then it, it just that that changes kind of what this Kansas team can end up being do you agree yeah I agree but here's the thing too if Kansas is really good they're getting to the free throw line they got to the free throw line 32 times today guys I want to talk about something significant that means they were really attacking the rim against the Texas Tech team that's really really physical and going back to Remy Martin the thing that makes him so good is his spurtability factor this year for this Kansas team if he can bring that element to this Kansas team, they could make a run at the whole thing because you know what you're going to get from so many different guys. He's a guy that's pretty significant for them moving forward. Okay, we're going to take a break here. This is Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. You're clear. What do we got, Dagan? Dagan, does this mic work right now? Okay. Yes, it does. And I'll just keep going with it. And if it falls out again, just fancy stick a mic in my face. Yes. That's fine. We can do that. He's on it. He was on it. He was ready to go. What do we um, got in the chat? Yes. Let me go back and, uh, and see here. Um, Doster. I, I don't know why I just said Doster. This is for everybody. Uh, if you had to pick right now, bet your house on it. Who's winning it all? After what you've seen. If you had days. to pick right now, bet your house on it, Rob. Who's winning it all? I mean, Gonzaga's got to be the team you pick, right? I think that they're the best team in the country. I think at this point right now, today, with after a loss even, I think Kentucky with that extra day, I think I would put my money down on. Kentucky, huh? I, I, I think it's between Arizona and Kentucky until, until Gonzaga does it, until Gonzaga seconds. does it. I'm, I'm, I'm not picking up. Let me say this. There is no team in the country this year that I would put my house down on. I don't think that there is. I don't think that there is a. a I don't, I don't, I don't I think that they, think are, they are necessarily the heavy favorite. I would not uh, agree. With Ten that, seconds um, at this point. 
I mean, it's hard to go against Gonzaga, but if I had to, I'd probably go Kentucky. Five. After then, I'm probably going to get snake bitten by this, but I'm I'm rebuying. Feel the 68 after dark. Sirius XM Channel 84. We're presented tonight by Bracket Fanatics. I mentioned it earlier, but we are running a field of 68 pool over at bracketfanatics.com. The best website to host an NCAA tournament pool for you and your friends, providing a bracket experience unlike any other. Bracket Fanatics is similar to Yahoo and ESPN, and you can invite friends, make picks, watch those picks go up in flames which is what's going to happen to Rob here later this week. But what makes Bracket Fanatics different is that they eliminate the hardest part of running a pool, the payouts, folks. Everyone that joins your pool must pay an entry on the site, even you, Carter Elliott. Once the NCAA tournament ends, Bracket Fanatics handles the payouts for you based on whatever parameters you set. You don't have to worry about chasing down Jeff Goodman to make sure he paid his buy-in. That's a really good thing, America. And you can make side bets all tournament long because who doesn't love a good side bet? You bracket may have been busted, but you can make it all back with once Larry from accounting gets a little too overconfident. So head on over to bracketfanatics.com and join the field of 68's bracket group. It's free to enter, guys. Join it and make sure you host your pool on Bracket Fanatics for the absolute best March Madness experience. Sign up today and winners, you're going to hang out with us in New Orleans. What is better than that? The road to New Orleans has started. Uh, Fanta earlier today. So if you want to come hang out with us, I promise you that is something that is going to be a good time at the very least. What do we got next? You're, you're the host. Yeah, let's let's keep going here on what was a championship Saturday. Arizona beats UCLA for the Pac-12 title. Ben Matherin goes for 27 points. Now, no surprise to see Ben Matherin do that. But the question is, the Wildcats are Pac-12 champions. Number one seed. We got a question in the chat. Do they deserve the number one overall seed over Gonzaga? I have a shaking ahead of no. Do you believe, and where's your belief in the idea of Arizona as a national champion after the Pac-12 tournament win? Uh, I think that they're a, they're, they very much deserve to be a number one seed. I think that they're locked in. They're probably the second overall seed, I would say. So that means they're going to San Antonio, which is not going to be a bad place for them uh, to end up. Their chance to win a national title is going to be determined by whether or not Kirk Creasa comes back healthy, right? I know, I know Dale and Terry was great tonight. I know that you see Kerr's tweet. He said, uh, he said, DT took my job, <laughs> but here's the thing. You need a point. Wait, hit the buzzer, hit the buzzer to point guard, play point guard, play point guard, play. You need a point guard to be able to make a run and win in March. If you go back and look, I'm not going to go through the list again, but if you go back and look over the years since 2010, the only team that didn't win a title that didn't, or that won a title that didn't start two point guards to you was 2012 Kentucky. They started Marcus Teague and they had the two top two picks in the draft, including a young man by the name of Anthony Davis Fanta. He was pretty good, according to my sources. So that's that's the biggest thing to me. Like Arizona is awesome. When they are at full strength, they are one of the most fun teams to watch. They get out and run. They score a ton of points. They can really guard Christian Coloco, underrated defender. Azulis Tubelis is an underrated, really tough physical foreman. They can shoot it. They got lottery picks, but Kirk Creasa, that's the guy that's going to determine it for him, in my mind. Well, the one thing that I was worried about moving forward with Arizona was, is Ben Matherin going to be able to carry this team and have some these sort of huge nights? He's going to have to have them with consistency without Kirk Creasa in the fold because they need him 
to they need him to create more shots for himself because that's what Kirk Creasa was there for pushing the pace finding those guys on the wing that was a significant part of what he did now is he going to be able to do that for six games in a row I think their defense can hold them up I think Dallin Terry is going to have to be terrific but Ben Matherin I think could get them all the way to New Orleans and I have no doubts yeah I I agree with you there um but it's just it's point guard play for me, man. It's very hard for me to trust teams that don't have great point guard play. And even Kirk Creason, T.O., we talked so about this. Teams with great point guard play, though. That's the big thing about it. There's so few teams this season with great point guard play. I'm not sure that's going to be the overriding factor on whether or not a team wins a national championship. And when have we talked about great point guard play with Kirk Creason? We've talked about sporadic great point guard play. But we've also talked about great point guard play sporadically with Andre Corbello. He's not great all the time either. Well, I'll, I would not put Illinois in the same conversation as I would put Arizona. Uh, one last thing, one point I want to make is uh, I do think, let's say that Kerr is able to come back, uh, play a couple minutes next weekend, get back to 100% for the Sweet 16. Um, I think that this could actually help them because they're getting some reps playing without Kerr Creasa and they're learning how to do things when they don't have them out there, which means on the nights when he's shooting 0 for 9, and he's going, uh, he's going full Kerr. No, you, you never want to see someone go full Kerr, right? So when he has the off nights, then I think this is the kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, we'll put him on the bench. We'll bring DT in and we'll let him go. Here's the thing that you have to love about Arizona, and this is going to happen in the NCAA tournament too, because when you do it this well, it's not just going to suddenly go away. When you're a team that leads the country in assists at over 20 per game, and in 70% of your games this season, you've hit 20 assists, that is absurd. That's absurd. They make a 20-assist game look like nothing. And as much as we talk about turnovers, and look, they've run into turnover issues, and we'll see if, if Dallin Terry can be able to carry this into the NCAA tournament. You have a transcendent player in Ben Matherin who defines versatility. Christian Coloco is big time for this group, and they share the basketball as well as anybody in the country. So they share the ball well. They have length. They have a dynamic three-level score. Tonight they made Jame Jaquez work. It, it took him 17 shots to get to 18 points. They made Johnny Juzang work. It took him 15 shots. I still like UCLA big picture. I like the fact that their experience helped them all the way to a Final Four. But the fact is, Arizona, their ability to share the basketball, what happened to the NCAA tournament? We have talked about this all season long. When you go up against a set defense in the NCAA tournament, can you be able to move the ball for productive shots? Look, do the Wildcats have a turnover issue at times? Yes, they do. But they make up for it with how much they share the basketball. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, and and the, the bottom line is this. Their ceiling, when they play their best, the best Arizona that you get, Probably the second best ceiling. Probably the second best ceiling in college basketball. The first best ceiling in college basketball played tonight, and we didn't see their ceiling. Yes, I thought they their their ceiling. If they're all connected, playing well, their talent level, their ceiling is great. They're not going to get to their ceiling because they haven't improved, and it's not the players' fault. Oh, 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 did you guys hear that? Players' fault. What am I missing? Is that a huge? Is it? Is that? No, it's not the players' fault. They they just haven't. What are they doing differently than what they did at the very first game of the season? They're not doing anything different now. People now, other teams are starting to figure out what Duke does. Pull Mark Williams away from the basket. He's not sliding very well right now. That's a big thing. But Duke's ceiling is better than anybody's in the country. They're not going to hit their ceiling because they're not being able to. No, athleticism is an issue with Drew Timmy. I'm just throwing that out there. 
the 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 only thing that I would say to that is um, without. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the middleman. We're going, we're going, guys. This is what we do. We fight through, we, we roll with the punches, we fight through the tech issues. It's fitting that we're in Brooklyn because all we need is one mic. You guys don't get that reference. No, you don't. <laughs> Hopefully, people listening will get that reference. Um, but yeah, look, I, I just think that when when Arizona plays their best, they can beat anybody in college basketball. I think the same thing can be said with Duke. I think the same thing can be said with Gonzaga. And I think that's why this, this tournament is going to be so much fun. How many teams can beat anybody on any given night? You're right. It, it could happen a ton in this tournament, and it is anybody's ball game. All right, let's go to the SEC. Arizona, one more point. Okay. Pass it, Mike. Yeah, then we're moving to the SEC. Azulis Tabellas can score on his own. Ben Matherin can score on his own. Those are two high-level guys that can score on their own. That's a big portion of it, too. I'm staying right with you because you can hear me on that microphone. Terrence Oglesby. Texas A&M, Tennessee. Who's winning later today? Man, that's a tough one, but how well is Buzz Williams playing and how well are Tennessee's well, guards playing? Well, no, his team playing. How, how well are the Aggies playing, being coached by Buzz Williams? He's got his kind of guy in there. I've called it. They've kind of snuck under the radar all season long, and they just continue to be good, and they play so stinking hard. Tyrese Radford, Henry Coleman, those were perfect additions for what Buzz likes to do. That Aggies team is tough as nails, but... I said Tennessee's top-end talent last night. I kind of worried about it a little bit. Kennedy Chandler and uh, Zakai Ziegler today were terrific. If their guards play well, they're going to get some offensive scoring pop. I don't know that they have it with a ton of consistency, but their defense is going to be able to hold them up against some teams. If they have a couple of good games or if a couple of good offensive games later in the tournament, you could see Tennessee definitely make it to New Orleans. Yeah, and, and the one thing I will say about them is that they are different now than they were at the start of the season. They are, they're playing those two guards together much more. They're playing uh, Plavsic. You're, you're, the, you're the guy that knows all those Eastern European names. What's his name? Plavsic. Euros Plavsic. They're playing him a lot more at the five. Your boy Folk, he's, you know, he hasn't, since he got sick, he hasn't come back and been the same guy. So they've, they've made the adjustments. They've kind of changed what they wanted to do. They're making shots a little bit more, which is kind of fair to say. And I'll tell you guys this. Since... On January 15th, they lost to Kentucky by roughly 643 points. I don't know what the exact final score was. I'm not really a math guy, not a numbers guy, but they lost by they lost by a lot. They got run out of Rupp Arena. Since then, they've been the number three team in college basketball, according to our friend over at BartTorvik.com. Uh, the 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 T score or the T uh, T rank, um, T score the T rank whatever it is that that's the whatever his mention whatever Torvik's metric is called I can't remember what it's called but T score is no I don't I don't want to know yeah um, <laughs> feel the sixty eight after dark it never never fails to disappoint no but the the larger point is that Tennessee found a way that works to play by changing things that didn't work for them right. And you got to get credit. Like Rick Barnes gets a lot of heat for, for I don't know, not being able to coach or running the ball out. This, that, that, a lot of people said that well, when those people are idiots towards towards the end of his career, Texas, right? Um, but what he's been able to do with this Tennessee program, turning around, and th- this season to me is the perfect, perfect example of that. He's playing two guards. He's starting two guards that are freshmen that are under five eleven. They've been a top five team in the country since the middle of January. How about the emergence of two big men for Tennessee too? Yuros Plavsic. You like that, didn't you? Great pronunciation. You like that one? Yeah. I got a little Eastern European on you right there. Uh, yeah, I, I got a little bit. I got a little bit. But Brandon Hutley Hatfield started for them tonight, played 22 minutes. He's somebody that's developed 
uh, some level of consistency. That guy's supposed to be a high school junior. He is uber talented from the middle Tennessee area, right outside of Nashville can really score. It has some potential. I think he can do more next year than he did this season. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he sticks around and I hope he does because he's going to be one of these kids. He's a five-star kid. That's going to go to these workouts. And he's going to play well, and he's going to get people intrigued between him and Jonas. Adu, the future of Tennessee's front court is dangerous. And Rick Barnes is a perfect guy for it. I don't want to hear none of this. He can't coach. Texas is a hard job and it's been a hard job for multiple people. Don't judge that. Don't judge a person's ability to coach on your job at Texas. I'll give you a name to watch out for, too, with Tennessee folks. Josiah Jordan James, six foot six junior, has averaged right around 15 points per game over the last four. And that, to me, is the thing. You said that Rick Barnes made an adjustment. Earlier in the season, on this very show, we talked about the fact that we weren't sure about Tennessee and how much synergy there was for them on the offensive end of the floor. I think as the season's gone along, they found a way to develop more scoring options through the course of the game. And that's a testament to Rick Barnes, because with a young backcourt, that's not easy to do. I know you're the host tonight, Fanna. I'm going to pivot here. I want to talk about a different team in the state of Tennessee. I want to talk about the Memphis Tigers. Oh, right. I got a stat for you guys. Buckle up. Put on your seatbelts. Shade's about to come out. On January 27th. That was the last game that Amani Bates played for Memphis. According to my good friend over at Torvik, at that point in time, I beat at, at that point in time, Memphis, Memphis was ranked number 74 in the country, according to his metrics, which is efficiency-based, kind of similar to Kempom, right? But the reason it's it's the reason I like it is you can break it up in time periods to see how good teams have been over certain periods of time. Since January 28th, the day after Amani Bates played his last game for the Memphis Tigers, Memphis has been the number two team in college basketball. They've been top 10 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. They figured out a way to get Landers Nolly playing as a go-to scorer. They got DeAndre Williams back and they got him healthy, which has been a huge thing for them, right? He is the X factor for them. Jalen Duran is playing some of the best basketball in the country. He is a monster. They've embraced this identity that they're going to be a team that plays defense, that wins on that end of the floor. They, they're bought in. Like To me, that's the most important thing. And, and we talk about culture all the time, right? How much do we talk about with, with Villanova, with oh, Baylor? We talk about culture. They're bought in. That culture is good now. That culture and, – and look, I'm going to give it to you. I, I see you reaching for the mic. I see you reaching for the mic. Listen, last thing I want to say. We dragged Penny. I, I dragged Penny. We were like, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's cut out for this. I don't know if he's going to be able to get it done. I don't know if he's going to find a way. I don't know if he's right. He did it. He did it. Coach of the year in the AAC. He's got to be. Coach of the year in the AAC. You give me that, Mike, and you stop with this nonsense. He, he, he figured it out by default whenever Imani had back problems. So let's just call it what it is there. He was force-feeding that young man who wow. wasn't ready. Hold on. Not done. Pull out your Torvik and tell me what their defensive efficiency numbers are. Since top 10. top 10, that's what I'm saying. That's the biggest thing. Do we only have one mic? We only have one mic. What do we do? If I hear Torvik's name, pull, pull out your Torvik, but shut Torvik up your ass. <laughs> pull out your Torvik. <laughs> pull out your Torvik and tell me what he what, what they are defensively since Imani Bates. That's where the biggest thing is because what's happened with Memphis too is what's happened with Memphis too is defensively they're so much better because they're overwhelming athletically with their size and everything like that so they can get out and run offense, run 
early offense. They turned their defense into offense. That's improving their numbers that way, too. That defense is what Penny's calling card has been since he became coach at Memphis. Now their offense is producing a little more. Oh, yeah. The, the point is right now in the month of March, Dalster's Torvik is hard. <laughs> and ours is soft. And, and to be honest, once the, once the bracket comes out tomorrow, your Torvik better be hard too, America. After this, we go around the country a little bit more and we give you some selection Sunday predictions. This is Field of 68 After Dark a Sirius XM Channel 84. You're clear. What's the chat say? I mean, what in the world is going on? <laughs> Give me this mic back. What the hell is if going I on? If I heard Torvik again, oh, the mic's, that mic's working again, I think. Oh, what do you got in the chat? I mean, he's brought up Torvik 12 times, which I like Torvik. Go ahead. What's it, what's in the chat? Right, I gotta go. I gotta go find it. Now. We're talking about Torvik and everything else in the chat. Torvik. <laughs> um, oh let's boy. See. How do you guys feel about Texas Tech after today? <laughs> you said that. You got it started. What do we have here in the chat? How do you guys feel about Texas Tech after today's performance? A uh, great question. We were going to discuss minute. this on the show, so our fans are good. How do you feel about Texas Tech after today? Uh, I feel exactly the same as I did before. About Texas Tech? I love Oh. About Texas? I mean, look. I got, I got Texas, Texas Tech. No, yeah. So, te- the, the thing about Texas Tech is they don't have great point guard play, but they're going to guard their ass off. And on the nights when they're making some shots, they're going to they're gonna win some games. Right? Yeah. And and losing to Kansas in Kansas City in the Big 12 title game, like, am I supposed 30. to change my mind on that? They were actually good offensively. Well, they didn't get the free throw line. They didn't get the free throw line. I mean, Kansas shot, what, 32 free throws? That's a pretty significant difference. What is it, 25 of 32 from the line, 6 of 13 from the line for Texas Tech. They guarded. They are overly physical, but keep in mind, they held Kansas to 23% from three, 43% from the the field. If they keep them off the line, they don't play so physical. That's kind of a given. Go ahead. It is the Field of 68 After Dark on this Selection Sunday. We are presented by Bet Rivers. We're presented by Bracket Fanatics. I'm John Fanta. He's Rob Douster. He's Terrence Oglesby. And we roll on here on the Field of 68. Hey, let's talk Big Ten. Guys, perhaps the game of the day. Indiana and Iowa was an absolutely outstanding watch. Watched it from the hotel room in Manhattan before going over to the Garden. I couldn't believe what I saw. Indiana goes up in this game by seven late. I did not stop with their offensive execution. How about Jordan Bohannon? How about Keegan Murray? And how about Fran McCaffrey's offense? When they needed buckets, they found a way to space and get those shots off and make those shots. And Jordan Bohannon banks in a shot that will live on in Big Ten lore forever. What a win for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, and and I want to I make a point about um, Keegan Murray – and the way that Fran McCaffrey uses him uh, and he understands the talent that he has in Keegan Murray, right? The, you you want to, at some point, you just kind of want to give the ball to your best player and say, go make a play, go win us a game. And that's what Fran did tonight with, with Keegan Murray. It's what he's been doing the entire season. Like, look, the Iowa, I think we, we've talked about this fan and you've made this point before. They're one of the more slept on teams in college basketball. No one gives them enough credit. I don't think anyone gives Ke- Keegan Murray enough credit. And I think I've gotten to the point where I might consider taking Keegan Murray over someone like a Paolo Bancaro. 
I, I don't I, – I, you watch the way that he plays. You watch the way that he shoots. You look at the things that he can do defensively. He's longer. He's, he's not as physical, but he's more athletic. His game, I think, translates more to the NBA level than Paolo Bancaro's does. Because Paolo is a physical, overpower you kind of guy, doesn't really have a left hand. And maybe that is just a byproduct, one second, a byproduct of Coach K not doing what makes Paolo be his best, ISO him in the mid-post and let him go to work. But Keegan Murray, he's a stud, man, and he guards. He projects as a much better role player than Paolo Bancaro. Wow. You're, you're saying – so you're telling me that a guy – that had twenty uh, had thirty two points, and eleven for seventeen from from the floor tonight. Eight for ten from three. The nation's third leading scorer, the highest scoring player. That he's a he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. Yeah, he's a, he is an absolute stud. And and I'm not saying that I would definitively take Paolo Bancaro over him. I'm also not saying that, or I'm not I'm not saying that I would definitively take Keegan Murray in the top three. I'm saying that once you get past, I'm taking, I am taking Jabari Smith number one. I'm taking Chet Holmgren number two. And then I got to start saying like maybe Jaden Ivey, maybe Keegan Murray, maybe Paolo Bancaro. Then you got to start having a conversation with yourself. Okay. But, but it, it's selection Sunday. And one of the things that we've often talked about is when certain networks always talk about mock draft. I like the mock draft, but I like a bracket more. It's selection Sunday. How far can Iowa go? Realistically, how far can the Iowa Hawkeyes go in the NCAA tournament? Because when I've asked you guys, when we've talked about it on our pod, Doster, T.O., and, and Fanta were coming up on Monday with a new episode. ETF podcast, pull out your Torvik. <laughs> that, that was awesome. Uh, what we've talked about, we've been like, oh, Illinois, oh, Purdue. Then Purdue, we cooled down. Then we went Wisconsin. Like, should we consider the way that Iowa's playing right now in that class of maybe going the deepest out of the Big Ten teams or no? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let T.O. take this in a second, but I will just say they are really, really dangerous. Um, I think that we should view Purdue and Iowa in the same vein. Teams that can get picked off in the first weekend, maybe even in the first round. Teams that can also make a Final Four if, if they're playing at their peak on the offensive end of the floor because they can't really guard. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. And so if you want to continue to talk about point guard play, point guard play button, I don't know where it's at, but if it were here, we would hit it. Um, Point guard play, Jordan Bohannon, uh, he's my age, guys. I mean, there's like he is going to be ready to go, uh, and he has been in every situation possible. I mean, what is he, 24 years old? He's been at Iowa for the longest. They know where he's yeah, he's been there. He's been there almost as long as Colin Gillespie's been at Nova, but it's, it might might be longer. But it's a team that that has somebody to rely on. You have an elite scorer in Keegan Murray. Uh, are they a Final Four team? I hesitate to say so because Keegan Murray for for them to beat an Indiana team that's playing well had to go for thirty one and eight for ten from three. If he's on, they have a chance to beat anybody. Six games in a row, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they can win a national title. I can see a Final Four. I can talk myself into them getting to a Final Four at some point. We want to let y'all know in the chat to hit the like button. Hit that like button on Selection Sunday. We promise that you'll reap the benefits here. Feel the sixty-eight after dark, Sirius XM. Hey, we earned that like tonight, chat. We earned that like tonight. Channel eighty-four. Rob Doster, Terrence Oglesby, John Fancy here with you. We are from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. This has been quite an experience for you being in New York City, seeing all of, of New York. I, I, I know this city like the back of my hand. This is no issue whatsoever. <laughs> and, and here's the big thing, too. Uh, 
brother Norlander and Rob Doster both had to rely on me uh, to get through this city. So to, to Matt Norlander, if you're listening, you're welcome. And uh, to Mr. Doster, uh, who I thought I was supposed to be the tourist, turns out he's the tourist. And uh, he likes New York pizza better than Connecticut pizza anyway. So it's kind of wild how it's gone since the beginning. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, we got a couple minutes left on the show. And I do want to talk about overall thoughts here on Selection Sunday. Here's who we want to congratulate. UAB, Jelly Walker, they win Conference USA. Montana State is going dancing. Akron wins the Mid-American. We thought the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, that MAC, could have a team that maybe surprises somebody on Thursday or Friday. Texas Southern, Boise State. What a good man, Texas. Point guard play, St. Peter's, Norfolk State, Vermont. They're all going dancing here. We found that out today. Of those teams that I just listed, I don't know, Cat Mounds, I'm not sure, Boise State, Akron. Who, who could pull off an upset early on in this tournament? Uh, Boise State is really, really good. They are great defensively. Um, I'm not going to include them in this conversation because I will refuse to, to give into the masses that call the Mountain West and mid-major league. Not going to do it. So I think I'm going to go with Vermont here. I don't know if anybody played better down the stretch of the season in the mid-major ranks. They won every game in their conference tournament by 30-plus. They beat UMBC 82-43 to in their conference tournament title game. They're healthy. They got their best players back. The only game they lost in league play uh, came without their, their leading score. So uh, I'm going with the Catamounts, man. Are we going to get another TJ Sorrentine hit that from the parking lot? What do you think? I think there's a team that could surprise some people because like UT Chattanooga, who I've said several times, I think can win a game, maybe even two, because they have Malachi Smith and David Jean Baptiste, who are both terrific lead guards for that team. And they have Silvio DeSosa, the Kansas transfer, finally got eligible. He's finally allowed to play. They win the SoCon tournament, and they're not just going to win those games. They might just win a game or two more. That's an interesting one to watch. But one more team that I think could win a game is UAB and coach Andy Kennedy. And they have a big fella that I love and Trey Jemison over seven feet communicates on defense. They have guards that can score. Watch out for them coming forward. Hey. Once upon a time, John Gross led Ohio past Georgetown in the NCAA tournament. Also once upon a time last year, in fact, Ohio beat Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I am staying on the Mid-American Conference bandwagon. I'm buying the Akron Zips here to potentially win a game in this NCAA tournament. You think about the MAC. It's a battle-tested league. This is a team that has a kid named Ali Ali. That's one of the best names in college basketball this season. Enrique Freeman leads them tonight. They blow out a good Kent State team in the Mid-American Conference title game. John Gross has NCAA tournament experience. I like that. All right, we have we have one minute here. One minute. This is the day of the bracket. This is the day we find out what's going to happen here. Folks, this is what college basketball is about. This is the day where we find out who are those front runners. Who's got the best draw? Where's that slipper going to come from? Who is Cinderella's date this upcoming week? Who's going dancing? And who's being told to go grab some Kool-Aid at that seventh grade prom? Either you're on the floor or you're not. This is Selection Sunday in America. It is a holiday. It is beautiful. And we have you covered on the Field of 68. This has been After Dark. Happy Selection Sunday.
And you're clear. We're clear. Thank you, Kono. Fanta, that was beautiful. Bill 68. After Dark Afters, I'll give each one of you the floor to start after Dark Afters. I don't know if it's what you think, like last team. I'm going to ask you this question. Here's what I'm wondering. If you had to predict who the last team in the field is going to be and the first team out of the field is going to be, who is it? Last team in the field, I think. Okay, so I think Texas A&M is in comfortably, right? In in regardless, I I don't. I think SMU is going to get out. I I, I honestly I and look look I the I don't want to go. I feel so dumb going against the fielding the sixty eight guys because they know their stuff so well. So I I I just I don't see it with SMU. Um, I think that we're going to be surprised when Rutgers is left out. I think we're going to see Xavier in, which sucks. And I don't like, I'm sorry, Xavier fans. You guys lost 10 of your last 14 games. Rutgers finished fourth in the big 10, played horrible early and figured things out. I want to reward the teams that played better down the stretch. I, you should value all the games that, that are played during the season. I want the teams that are playing their best basketball at that time. I, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That makes me a bad person, Xavier fans. So uh, I think that we're going to see Rutgers on the wrong side of the bubble, VCU on the wrong side of the bubble, SMU on the wrong side of the bubble. Give me Oklahoma. Give me Texas A&M. No wake. No Notre Dame. Sorry, Teal. So no wake. No Notre Dame. We're on four teams. I, I I think wake. Gosh, one of the two has to get in. One of the two has to get I'll, in. I'll give, you, I'll give you. I'll give you something positive to talk about with the ACC. What what kind of run can Mike Young and Virginia Tech go on this year? That's an interesting one because that dude could coach. He gets his dudes shots. You know what's crazy about it, though? What if Darius Maddox doesn't hit that three against uh, – That's the whole nuts thing about it. That's what makes the madness great, right? And he hit it right in front of me, and for some God knows why reason, I was wearing a maroon shirt. Shouldn't have been doing that. But they beat Clemson and it hurt me. And what, what did he do after he made the shot? He turned around and looked dead at my bald head. <laughs> and that's what happened. <laughs> he turned around and looked dead at me. And then I just kind of threw my hands up. But it was a heck of a shot. And those are the kinds of things. Sometimes during these tournament runs, you need a little bit of luck. And I'm not saying it was luck because it was a great shot. It was a great shot. But those kind of things happen. And they don't win unless he hits a massive bucket at the end of their first game. Look, I don't know if it- – The committee had their field even this afternoon, and Dan Gavitt said it on CBS in the the show that was the bridge show in between Big Ten semifinals. That being said, I do find it ironic a little bit on the Xavier case. Virginia Tech just won the ACC tournament here tonight. Virginia Tech played in this building in November. They played against Xavier. Xavier was missing four out of their top eight players. And Xavier won the game because Nate Johnson went off. The same Nate Johnson that missed five games in February and Xavier was nowhere near the same team. Does that make the loss to Butler excusable? Not in the slightest. But I could tell you that I've got some information on the Musketeers that, that based on what the presentation is in the, in the committee room, that that is something that the committee was looking at, that they beat Virginia Tech on a neutral floor, missing four of their eight top players. Xavier built up so much capital. This is the flaw in the system. It's a flaw. I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to look more at the last 10 games of a season. You want the 68 best teams. Yeah, well, is Xavier one of the 68 best teams in the country right now? 
No, they're not. But I, I, I also think that in a sport where I'm sorry, I know that you're trying to get it to you, but I also think that in a sport where, um, in, in, no, in a sport where in November and December, sometimes it's hard to get the, the general public's attention, right? The college basketball doesn't really become a thing until this time of year. Um, making sure that those games that happen in November and December matter and are relevant is the way to be able to make them something that the public pays attention to. Right. Don't put Villanova UCLA on at 11 o'clock at night. Don't don't do that. Don't put Gonzaga, Texas on at 10 o'clock at night. Don't bury them on Friday night. There's lots of things that you can do to be able to help out the sport in general. I think one of those things is to make sure that the games that happen early in the season matter. But if you play like dog shit down the stretch of the season, that should be something that comes into account, too. Like we shouldn't you shouldn't ignore the fact that Xavier got that win over Virginia Tech. You also shouldn't ignore the fact that Virginia Tech figured it out and Xavier completely collapsed by the way for the record i think notre dame's gonna get in oh i think so too i, I think, really do I think they got win over kentucky they, they've got some good non-conference wins early in the season they played well during conference play i i think notre dame is going to get in so it, and they could win a game too how many teams have we said they could win a game they could win two games. Every yeah, every single one that we've talked about today, they could win a game or two. They could win two games. Like, that's the kind of tournament that we're going to have. But kind of going back to Virginia Tech, we talked about them losing early in the season. There was a big adjustment period for a lot of these transfers that come up. I thought Storm Murphy today was sensational. He's finally comfortable. And I've been critical of Virginia Tech's roster. Today they started three Wofford guys, a Delaware transfer, and uh, Nahim Alinea. That was, that was who they started. They had four mid-transfer ups. All right, we got to do it right now because I just got a couple questions people asking. Is Rutgers going to make the NCAA tournament or not? I want them to be in. I think that Rutgers fans are going to be disappointed. I want them to be in. I have no idea. <laughs> I love, I love. I'm just going to be completely candid. I mean, like, what do you want me to do right now? I'm not the bracketologist. I have no clue what they're going to do. Well... Here, here's here's the take here. So I think they are deserving of getting in. But I think losing to Lafayette and UMass is going to keep them out of the field of 68. It's very unfortunate, but it's just how it goes. And they didn't win a Big Ten tournament game. And to not be Iowa, they were up early in the game. And they just they did not win that game. Iowa's playing red hot. I think the Scarlet Knights are going to be one of the first teams out of this field. I hope that they get in. I think Steve Peichel's done a really good job. Overall, it's disappointing because they were dribbles away from a Sweet 16 last year, and then we all thought they'd be pretty loaded up this year. Uh, I, I just I don't see it with the Scarlet Knights. Maybe I'll be dead wrong. We'll see. that. This, the weight the weight here is so hard. Hey, here's one thing, Rutgers fans and other fans of teams. If you're Wake Forest, Notre Dame fans, Atlantic 10 championship game later today down in Washington, D.C. You should all be rooting for Davidson, who I think will win this game, but they're playing Richmond. Richmond's out to steal a bid here, and don't forget about Coach Mooney's group. Yeah, that's 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 a big thing. There still is a bid thief left on the table, and I almost had forgotten about that, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, but, I mean, that's that that's kind of what March is about, right? Like, uh, let's, let's be honest. Virginia Tech, probably a bid thief. Right. They are. They, they they were not in the tournament before they made this run. Uh, Texas A&M, bid thief. They were not a tournament team before they made this run. They're definitely in now. You know who else was? Indiana, bid thief. You know what they did? 
They went out and they won the games in March that you needed to win to be able to get in the tournament. You know who did not? Xavier. Rutgers. Strongest bubble in recent memory. Yeah. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Wake Forest Notre luck. Dame. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it was it was a fine bubble, but the teams that were the teams made a play to get in. And, and here's the wild part about it, right? Like Indiana has an all-American NBA player at the five. And they got a guy in Xavier Johnson that has figured it out. Like, that is going to end up being a dangerous team in the tournament. If Xavier Johnson plays the way that he's played over the last three weeks. They should have won today. They should have won today. They were up by seven with about four minutes to go. Bohannon showed why he's older than T.O. He couldn't stop hitting shots. They, I thought Fran McCaffrey showed why today he's one of the better coaches in the country. The stuff they ran late in the game to get their shooters open looks, I was super impressed with Iowa. Yeah, he just he just needs to pull a John Beeline and hire a guy that can actually coach up a little defense. And then, uh, yeah, they'd be awesome. Um, Listen, I just want to make sure that we do mention one thing tomorrow. Selection Sunday, we are going to be having a six hour long live stream breaking down the back. We're going live at about 540 ish or so. Right. We're going to be talking about uh, we have the fielding 68 guys on. I believe it's going to be Rocco Miller. Lucas Harkins, and uh, I can't remember who's, I think it's Greg Waddell is hosting. They're going to be reacting live to the bracket, telling you who should have been in, who should have been wrong. I will put our guys, Rocco, Lucas, Jonathan Warner, and Andy Bottoms up against any of the bracketologists. I promise you they are better than Joe Lenardi. I love Joe. I love Joey Brackets. Our guys are better at what they do. Um, then after that, we're going to have Goodman on with the Miller brothers. Then it's going to be me, T.O., and Randolph Childress. Then we have the three-man weave guys giving you all the bets that you need, all the futures that you're going to need. Then young John Fanta is going to be on with Steve Prohm and Ashton Gibbs and Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. And we're going to wrap things up with the gentleman from Sleepers Media and the people from, uh, from All Facts Media. Uh, to kind of wrap it up. Some of our young guys that we're giving a platform to that are really good at what they do. But tune in. We're going to have everything for you. No one's going to have a more comprehensive comprehensive coverage of the bracket reveal than we do. I will have a completed bracket when we hit the air at 10 o'clock. Ready to go. We might go through. We're going to we'll go through who you who we think could upset teams, where the upsets could come from, who's going to go in the final four. Kevin Sweeney's going to be put in the hot seat. Steve Prone better bring his snacks. And Ashton Gibbs, be ready, because I I'm I need you. Are we going to get a mean word out of Steve, Steve Brown all year? We have been all year going all year. He hasn't said a mean word to anybody. It's the sweetest. Oh, that's, that's he's false. the sweetest human on the that's planet. False. That's false. He said mean things about Carson Wentz when the, the he's a big he's a big commanders fan. He said he said he, he came close to saying a mean thing about Carson Wentz. He was like when I told him that the odds for the super for them went up. They went from a 60 to one to win the Super Bowl to 75 to one to win the Super Bowl when they traded for Carson Wentz. And Steve Prohm was like, yeah, that sounds about right. There's something here. There's- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw the headline earlier this week. I was at the Big East tournament and I saw Carson Wentz trade to the commanders and I thought he was trading to the USFL. <laughs> it crossed my mind. I'm sorry, folks. They are now they are now the Washington football team. To me, always, always. They will always be the WFT forever. Commanders, commanders, no shot. When I saw Carson Wentz was traded, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Selection Sunday, where for whatever reason, the clock holders in this world are making us lose an hour of our sleep. I mean, are you kidding me? That might be one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. 
They, they, who makes the clocks? Who's responsible for this? Who's setting the clocks ahead? I just I learned this earlier today. I thought, are you? I, I'm gonna regret that. Are you fucking kidding me with the <laughs> clock advancing? I'm seriously pissed off at that the clocks are advanced on Selection Sunday. You know what the worst part is? You know what the worst part is? It's 1.10 in the morning right now, which means that after 1.59, it's going to be 3 a.m. You know what that means? The bar, the bar is going to be closed. Oh, come on. What are you doing to me? That's terrible. Unbelievable. I, I, hope, I hope that our listeners just said. Uh, do, we have, do we have any other questions in the chat coming in right now? So we have to, we don't have to sit in. You That's guys are just going. That, that we've officially. How many of our listeners do you think just realized they had to move their clocks forward? All of them. I mean, how many people on this panel just realize that he has to catch a flight at five in the morning? Oh. Yeah, you're not sleeping tonight, TL. I'm not going to be able to. You're not, TL's not sleeping tonight. Um, a field of dis- 68 Discord group would be a hell of a time. Uh, yeah, it would, get, it would get reckless. Uh, do we have any other questions, Dagan? Can you drop them in uh, in Fanta's ear over there? Sure. Let's let me let me let me go back and. Look. What else we got? Well, I, give Fanta the mic. Fanta, take the mic. Oh, the mic. Yeah, here. What do we got here, Dagan? Go ahead. <laughs> Why does he have the mic? Right, Dagan goes, why do you have the mic? All right, here we go, Dagan. All right, let go me, ahead, Dagan. Let me go back and find some of the good ones. Oh, can right. Creighton be an eight or nine seed if that's where they end up that can knock off a one? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, so the question is, can Creighton, if they're an eight or nine seed, beat a one seed, knock off a one seed? The answer to that question, in my opinion, is no. Uh, but they would be a dangerous team for the one to go up against just solely because they're defending at a high level. Like, if you're the person who who's thinking who hasn't watched a lot of Creighton and you go into the NCAA tournament this year and you say, yeah, yeah, Creighton, Craig McDermott, great offensive coach, you know, they hit threes. Folks, they shot three for 29 from three to nine. And they almost beat Villanova. That tells you everything you need to know about Creighton. They're just tough. They defend. They get up in you. Ryan Hawkins is a winner. He had a tough game tonight. Ryan Kalkbrenner is a big-time five-man. That's why they're good. Because they're good because they protect the rim. That's right. And they have they can get out and extend their pressure because of how good Ryan Kalkbrenner is. Uh, because he I, – I was shocked today at how good he was moving his feet on the perimeter. I know I mentioned it earlier, but his ability to get out there, contest shots, he's so big. Like, he looks big on the floor – on a floor filled with big people, he still looks big. Like, excellent job by him defensively today. You guys calm down. You guys calm down. I, he he is a large person. The Torvik? I'm still laughing. At, Pull out your Torvik. <laughs> <laughs> Who makes the clocks? <laughs> Who makes the clocks? We're off the rails. Oh, off the rails. Well, see, they must not be college basketball fans. No. They must not be. I think I wouldn't be surprised if baseball had something to do with the clock making. <laughs> Because this is this is questionable. Was it part of the new CBA? Uh, probably, probably it, it probably was. He's digging. He's holding the mic again. Do you see what's going yeah, on here? Again? Get the mic yeah. out of this guy. Right, right. Digging. Yeah. By the way, there's some people that are commenting on your laptop don't, screen. Don't give me. Don't make me go and get the other mic. Don't make me do it, Dagan. I will do it. Don't make me tell do him. It. Tell him the only person that has the power here to, to end this whole stream is me. <laughs> Dagan said he has the power to end the stream. What else do you have for us? What other question? Um, some, a few people missed missed Memphis Memphis talk, so we'll give them, we'll give them a little bit oh, of okay. doubt. And mm-hmm. I'll just want to know kind of what you guys think their ceiling is in the tournament. I know we already kind of talked about it, but just kind of give them a recap. So, guys, here's a show I'm thinking of right now. You know, deal or no deal. Yeah. It's like these two are waiting for an offer. That's exactly right. 
and Dagan's the banker. That is 100%. So Dagan's offer actually is some of our viewers have missed the Memphis talk tonight, and they would appreciate it if we talked Memphis again. So Memphis, an NCAA tournament lock. Landers Nolly. Penny Hardaway's gotten him to really just be the guy. And they're they're defending. So let's talk about Memphis. Okay, what's your forecast in the Tigers? Can they win a couple games? Can I whip out my my, uh, my Torvik real quick? Well, you almost slipped up said something else. Uh, well, I almost said I'm going to whip, whip out my Memphis. <laughs> no. Uh, since Imani Bates left on January 28th, they've been the number two team in the country, according to a certain advanced analytic that sounds like a, a piece of anatomy that makes uh, T.O. laugh. Sounds when like a every- Swedish person. <laughs> Sounds like it's a Swedish person. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Memphis is very, very dangerous. I said it on, I don't remember what show it was. It was on some After Dark. One of the questions that came in was, uh, who is a team that can go from the first four to the final four? And this was back before they beat Houston for the second time. And I said, and the mocks had uh, Memphis in, a, uh, in, in the first four. And I said, Memphis is the team that can make that run. Because they are defending at a high level. They are bought in. They're playing offense at a high level. They are, like you said, forcing turnovers, getting out in transition. Jalen Dern is bought in. Landers Nolly's making plays. You don't have the infighting on that roster anymore. It's they they are they are what they thought we were before. I'm getting stuff here from the producer. So we have a question here. Dagan, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so there's a question here about Will Wade. And I just I know we kind of talked about, about Will Wade. Already. We already talked about it earlier. Rob and Jeff did a live stream. But I just kind right. of Rob and Jeff did a live stream, folks, earlier. Yep. You could catch that, but we, we have not talked about it on this show. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Just I just want to get your thoughts on the on the situation. My thoughts on Will Wade? All of you you and T.O. You okay. already heard Doster. So you and Well, T-O. so okay, they want T.O. and me. All right. So here's my first thought. Here's my first thought on this one. I think my favorite part of the Will Wade thing, and and look, on this one, I don't get as emotional over the coach losing his job because he cheated, okay, pretty blatantly. I think what's most curious to me is that people were reporting at 1 and 2 o'clock this afternoon that the NCAA's notice of allegations was sent to LSU earlier this week, and it was really bad for Will Wade. Well, I, for one, am absolutely stunned at that. That was shocking to me. Shocking. How in the heck did it take until this paperwork to come in for you to say we probably should move on from our head men's basketball coach? Do you know what else it says? It tells you all you need to know about what schools think of notice of allegations to begin with. LSU didn't think it'd be that bad, which tells you what the system's like a notice of allegations. It took until the notice of allegations to come out for them to fire Will Wade. There's, 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 a, there's, there's, there's I want to put some context onto this. That part of the reason why he wasn't fired before was one, because LSU didn't really want to get rid of him because he was still kind of winning games. But the other part of it was there was legal stuff in there that made it a little bit more difficult than just saying, okay, we're going to fire you. Will Wade has a very, very good, very, very well-paid lawyer. And when he got the new contract, one of the things that was in that contract that said, said, we can fire you with cause, not pay a buyout until if you have a level one violation. And to avoid extended legal drama one of the things that they did was they waited until they had this level one violation and they fired him now if you want to put on your tinfoil hat and you want to get conspiracy laden what you might think is that these notice of allegations came 
at the same time as the SEC tournament so that LSU had to play in the SEC tournament and couldn't impose a self, uh, self-impose self a postseason ban because they've already played in the postseason. They already played in the, the SEC tournament. But, but, like, this was a lot of the reason he's still there. Is that LSU didn't want to fire him, but a lot of it has to do with lawyers and legal shit and contracts and stuff that was all buttoned up. Lawyers always get paid, man. We picked the wrong damn profession. I, I would rather be broke than be a lawyer, personally speaking. <laughs> but here's the thing with Will Wade. The dude still made it out three years past all of this stuff and ended up making about $10 million. So good on him with all that stuff. I mean, How much of that money went to the, his, uh, his roster? I mean, probably, you know, five to 8%. <laughs> yeah. So, like, who recruited you to Clemson? Shaka. It wasn't Will. It was Shaka. Look, I, you know, obviously you're going to get, get in the weeds here and you can get down a dark hole whenever you're coaching. You always want these best players. But here's, here's my thing. I'm just going to say it as plainly, plainly as I can. How bad do these allegations have to be for you to get fired from LSU? Right. Who is known for trying to skirt the rules a little bit. I, and it's no secret with you guys. Fired a head football coach. You don't want to do multiple. That's right. Really. Yeah. So it's a lot. I, I mean, you, you have to really have messed up for in order to make that happen. Uh, I, I know. Will. I think Will's a good guy. I think he got caught up. I really do. I, as a per, as a human being, he doesn't follow the rules. As a person that I talk to every day, or not every day, but every so often, he, he's he's a, he's a nice person to me. So obviously, the guy lost his job, sure, but it is what it is. You get there's rules that you have to follow. Follow those rules. It's kind of a it's it's all a whole bunch of gray matter as far as I'm concerned. It is, and and he lost his job because he should have lost his job. Yeah. He cheated three years longer than he should have. Did you watch the scheme? No, he shouldn't be upset about it, which, by the way, I saw some journalists today quoting Christian Dawkins. Please stop going to him for quotes, people. Come on. I mean, it's it's like going to the MyPillow guy and asking him for his thoughts. Like, are we kidding? He was part of the scandal. Stop asking him for quotes. First of all, I've met Christian Dawkins. He showed up at a couple of workouts whenever I was still playing. And he was the guy that was there, but you didn't really take seriously. And I, I, I say that seriously. He's I don't like know. Right from he's just a guy that was just kind of there. He didn't really get much done. So I, I think that's some, I think there's, there's some bitterness on his end. Stop taking his word for it. Like enough is enough. All right. That's enough for the Will Wade talk. I mean, we're not letting this take, I mean, for LSU, this is. Mm-hmm. Get attention. It's interesting for them, big picture. Um, but look, it's it's. Uh, we'll see what happens there. What else? Anything else, Dagan? Let's. Or let's, should we do three cheers? Yeah, let's, let's let's cheers it up. I will lose an All hour right, of sleep tonight, th- so let's. let's get yeah, Dagan's gonna lose an hour of sleep, so he wants to do three cheers. At least he gets an hour of sleep. Right. At least he get your flights at what time? Five, 5 a.m. Oh, out of where? Uh, maybe about the time I'm going to bed. So. I, I gotta get to Newark. The trains. At- you gotta get to Newark. Yeah. Have fun. You'll see some interesting things in Newark, <laughs> New Jersey, at five a.m. Baby. <laughs> All right, T.O., I'm telling you, high heels will be out, (laughs) and I might be in them. (laughs) All right, you're right, exactly. T.O., three cheers, go. Uh, I'm cheering to this weekend. How much fun was it? Goodness me, two nights at Madison Square Garden doing shows, one night here at the Barclays. Enjoyed it, fellas. Thank you so much. Cheers to the Field of 68. It's going to be a hell of a month. So there's that. 
my cheers is going out to Robert Jones, a head coach at Norfolk State. He's got the Spartans back into the NCAA tournament. Not an easy job. Uh, we never talk about the HBCUs enough on here, so I want to give him a shout-out. He's a great dude, has an unbelievable backstory. He came up before he got into coaching. He was booking shows for 50 Cent in Jamaica, Queens, right here in the city that never sleeps. So shout-out to... Uh, to Robert Jones, if I had a drink, I would be toasting you right now, sir, my man. Congratulations. Go win a game. Give me a win. Mm. Mm. Tweeting this out right now because I want to make sure they see it. Uh, I am going to three cheers. I am going to, to three cheers. I know this is this is thrilling stuff here, folks, and that's keeping you waiting. To the St. Peter's Peacocks because St. Peter's is the MAC champion. It is just their fourth NCAA tournament trip in the history of the program, first since 2011. Shaheen Holloway, a New York City kid. He's from Queens. He's a guy who wears it on his sleeve. His players won through a wall for him. And tonight, St. Peter's beating Monmouth, a good Monmouth team, to win the MAC. Casey Defo was not on the All-MAC first team, and that is just ridiculous because he was the all Mac. He was the Mac tournament, most outstanding player. And he is a terrific defender, power conference level defender and a power conference level player. Cheers to St. Peter's. Their operating budget is in the two seventies in college basketball. And you're in the Mac. That's the same league with Rick Patino and Iona. That's the same league as King Rice and Monmouth. Same league as Siena, who spends money on college basketball. St. Peter's is in Jersey City. If you go towards the campus, you cannot walk into that building unless you have some level of toughness. That's Jersey City, folks. It's cold. Okay? Uh, Put a jacket on and grind it out. That's Jersey City. It's the way St. Peter's plays, and the Peacocks are MAC champions. And there's a lot of great people in that athletics building, and it starts with the head coach, Sheen Holloway. He's got good players. Doug Eddard is a name to watch here this week. I don't know what St. Peter's going to get seeded. I don't know what's going to happen, but guess what? Those kids aren't thinking about who they're playing or what number. All they know is they're getting their dancing shoes out, and that is cool because St. Peter's University is about to have, we're talking about millions of dollars of branding that you'd have to pay for. They're going to get into all this week, and that's what we don't talk about enough. The little guy and how much a university gets talked about this week during the NCAA tournament. It's so good for a school. This is what's right with college sports, the NCAA tournament. Yep. And name to look out for this summer. Shaheen Holloway. Shaheen Holloway, watch out, folks. I don't know who, where he's heading next, but damn, I got some good ideas, and wherever he goes, he's going to win. The guy's always won. He lifted Seton Hall, NCAA wins. He's a winner. Congratulations, Shaheen. And to your son, X, who is awesome. That's it for us, right? We're on at 5 Eastern time later today. 545. 5.45 Eastern time. So get your dinner at 5. You won't take more than 44 minutes. Join us for six consecutive hours of Selection Sunday coverage. Love these guys. Love all of you. Our Field of 68 team is ready. T.O.'s got to catch a flight. Rob Dousters, are you heading back to Jersey? No, I'm heading back to uh, Manhattan. I got to go. I got to I gotta, I gotta go to sleep. Right. Got to get some rest. Right. I'm, right. I'm going to bed as well. So long for now. We will see you in 16 hours for the best night of the Field of 68 coverage this season and many more to come.